Thank you for taking the time to listen to this audio sermon from Apostolic Worship Center. Our prayer is that you'll be encouraged and blessed by the anointed Word of God. If you'd like more information about Apostolic Worship Center and its ministries, visit our website at www.awcnorman.com. That's what you need this morning. You need God to surround you today. Nothing else does what the presence of God does. Nothing else can accomplish what the presence of God can accomplish. God bless you. You have your Bible. I'm going to the book of Jude. Give honor to your pastor, his lovely wife. They have treated me so nice. There, there are some things that are evident. Some things are just evident. You don't even have to wonder. For instance, I am a fat man. And as such, I have a great affinity for food. They have taken me to some places, and uh, all of them was good. They got something over here called Ted's something. We need one of them in Texas. And then he took me to some joint last night. What is it? The meeting place. They had a smoked fried chicken sandwich. It was two tingles shy of full-blown tongues. I mean, it was absolutely incredible such a nice evangelist I believe y'all got the I told my wife y'all got the best evangelist quarters I've ever stayed in it's phenomenal it's phenomenal and and a basket with all those things I'm not supposed to eat but 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 I haven't let you down I've done it in spite of it Jude Verse number six. The Bible says, And the angels, which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness, under the judgment of that great day. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication, going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example. Suffering. The vengeance of eternal fire. I hope you can understand what I'm fixing to say next. I'm not bragging because I feel like I've done nothing. But I have an accurate sermon diary. And as of last night, I am well into the 5,800 sermons I've preached around the world. This year alone, I will have preached by the time we reach the end of the year over 300 times. 
Last year, during COVID, I preached over 200 times. The last four years, I've written six books. I've been working on a seventh for months now. God just spoke to me two weeks ago, and I laid that one down for a season, and I've started on the eighth book. I presently pastor two churches. I pastor the great church in Silsby. And I also pastor a daughter work out of my place. Over the last few years, we've had five daughter works. I give myself to the work of God. I do everything that I can to benefit the kingdom of God. But today, I want you to know what propels me to do the things that I do. I am driven. I confess to you today, I'm Doug White, and I'm an addict. I am driven. And today, you have a hard time understanding my intensity. You have a hard time with my deliberate ministry today. You'll understand a little bit better what drives me. I'm preaching to you today. The burden I bring to this pulpit is simply the inevitability of eternity. The inevitability of eternity. God bless you. You may be seated.
every person alive is heading towards eternity. You need to know that eternity is not gender specific. Male and female are going into eternity. Eternity is not age restrictive. The young and the old are going to eternity. Eternity is not racially segregated. All people from every culture is going to go into eternity. Eternity is not intellectually selective. The ignorant and the brilliant are going to go into this thing called eternity. It is inevitable. All of them are headed towards eternity. And you may think that you've got it all together and that you know where you're going in life, but you need to be aware today that regardless of your temporal, time-laden journey, your ultimate destination from this life is a never-ending realm called eternity. That baby kicking in its mother's belly is kicking its way to eternity. That elder riding in an ambulance right now is riding towards eternity. That middle-aged man driving to work is driving towards eternity. That young mother taxiing kids to Sunday school is taxiing towards eternity. That toddler rolling in a stroller is rolling towards eternity. That teenager roaring down the highway in their first car is roaring towards eternity. That teenager pedaling their bicycle to a friend's house is pedaling towards eternity. That roving single adult looking for love in all the wrong places is roving towards eternity. Every one of us in this building today need to realize that you are on your way to eternity. It is inevitable. You are headed towards eternity. To understand the impact of a statement like that, you need to know the biblical word for eternity is ad, A-D. But it's pronounced odd as in O-D-D, and it means perpetuity. To continue existing beyond this present life. It speaks of a place beyond time and without end. Realize with me that it surely as God's word is forever settled in heaven. It not only tells us that eternity is real, but it tells us that eternity is inevitable. Forty-five times your Bible speaks about things that are eternal. I could take the Bible from your hand today and read to you of an eternal God 
God's eternal excellency, eternal life, eternal damnation, eternal judgment, God's eternal power, his eternal Godhead, the eternal weight of glory, the eternal salvation of obedience. I could talk to you about eternal redemption, God's eternal spirit, the promise of an eternal inheritance, eternal glory, eternal heavens, and horrifically I could tell you about eternal fire. My brothers and my sisters, listen very carefully today. It is inevitable. Someday every one of us that sit in this building are going to step into eternity. I wonder today as I stand in this pulpit, what will be the cause that catapults Doug White into eternity? Maybe you should ask yourself, what will be the root cause that catapults you into eternity? You need to know day that it is inevitable. It may be an automobile accident but eternity is inevitable. It may be a dreaded disease but eternity is inevitable. It may be an overdose of drugs but eternity is inevitable. It may be a drunk driver that it wasn't your fault at all but eternity is inevitable. It could be a mugging turned into a murder, but eternity is inevitable. It could be a heart attack. Ladies and gentlemen, eternity is inevitable. It could be a natural disaster. It could be a freak accident. It could be a stillbirth. It could be old age, but eternity is inevitable. It could be an aneurysm that nobody saw coming or it could be a choking to death that everybody stood around and saw but eternity is inevitable ladies and gentlemen settle it in your heart today it is inevitable someday death is going to take us all into eternity. If somehow the rapture takes place before you take your last breath, that's not going to stop eternity. You'll just step from terra firma into the realm of eternity. Somebody shout amen right now. Before you step into eternity, you need to know a few things that are going to await you in eternity. Would it be all right to preach to you a little bit today? Let me tell you what we absolutely know about eternity. First of all, we know that eternity only has two options. You're either going to go to heaven or you're going to go to hell. There is no 
preferred choice for those that don't want to accept God's word or God's plan. There are no other selections on the eternal menu for those that don't find heaven or hell palatable. There are two options, ladies and gentlemen. You're either going to go to heaven or you're going to go to hell period. Uh, the second thing we know about eternity is that which of these two options, heaven or hell, that you're going to spend eternity in is going to be decided by the decisions you make while breath is still in your body. Don't you let anybody lie to you if they tell you once saved always saved, somebody done lied to you. Uh, if they tell you you can't lose your salvation, somebody's been lying to you. If they tell you you can be saved a hundred different ways, somebody's lying to you. Hear me well, sir, ma'am. Your eternal destination will only be decided by whether or not there was an active obedience to the word of God. Nothing else will send you to heaven. Nothing else will send you to hell. The third thing we know about eternity is that eternity has no ending. Once you step into heaven, you can never be lost. Once you tumble into hell, you can never be saved. Any changes in your eternal destination has got to be made here. It's got to be made now in this realm that you and I call time. God's word says, as a tree falleth, so shall it lie. That means when you laid your body down, when death sucks the last breath out of your body, and your last heartbeat ceases, it tells you that as that tree falls, so shall it lie. There'll be no more changing to your destination. There'll be no more altering your direction. There'll be no more correcting your course. I've come today to tell you what drives a jerk like Doug White. If you don't fix it now, if you don't fix it here, in this realm of time, you'll live the rest of eternity knowing that you made the choice to take your chances. That's what I Out eternity, oh, that our souls could wake up. We've gotten so caught up in politics. We've gotten so caught up in inflation. We've gotten so caught up in jobs. We've gotten so caught up in COVID. We've gotten so caught up in fear. We've got so caught up in, 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 in having a government that justifies and drives you to miss church. I hope you're listening to me right now that we have forgot that the greatest inevitability of life is that your soul is going somewhere. Your soul is going to live forever somewhere. Since I told you what I do know about eternity, let me tell you what we don't know about eternity. The list is absolutely horrifying. I don't know how in eternity that worms are going to keep living in your smoldering flesh despite the horrific infernal flames that are going to lick your body. Yet the Bible tells us five times that it's a place called hell where the worm dieth not. I don't know how in hell 
in eternity hell becomes a bottomless pit that allows you to tumble hopelessly for eternity as the gaseous billows of heat toss your body to and fro but seven times your Bible said that hell is a bottomless pit I don't know how in eternity my mind could ever handle looking up and knowing that I missed heaven looking up and seeing the splendors of heaven listen to me very carefully heaven has no window that can see into hell but hell's got a window somewhere that you can look up and see what you missed I cannot imagine what would go through my mind if somewhere somehow I found myself in an eternal hell and I had to look up and realize that I sent my soul to hell yet the Bible tells us that the man in hell lifted up his eyes and seeing a far off appear that was now in paradise I don't I could handle it. Tell you what else I don't know. I don't know how many people in eternity are going to be there in a lost condition. You don't know how many people in eternity are going to be there in a lost condition because of your own spiritual condition. You were supposed to be a witness, but you weren't. You were supposed to be holy, but you were a hypocrite. You were supposed to be spiritual, but you were slipping around. You were supposed to be just, but you justified iniquity. You were supposed to have integrity, but you ended up in immorality. You were supposed to be leading your family. Instead, you were luring them to a lesser commitment. You were supposed to have character, but instead you were hiding corruption. And when you step into eternity and all of your your excuses are removed. How are you going to handle knowing that you are the reason that they're in hell right now? Your son, your daughter, your spouse, you led them there. Oh, the inevitability of eternity. Your friend, your co-worker, your relative, you were supposed to be a Christian and they followed your example and you led them to a godless eternity. Oh, the eternity that we're heading towards is inevitable. Those church children that wanted to be like you, those bystanders that was watching your life, uh, those business owners that thought you were trying to live for God, you left footprints that they followed into eternity, and the trail led to a damnable hell in eternity the only thing that could make hell worse for me is to look over and see my baby's face and realize I'm the one that led them there got four grandchildren now the youngest one just over a week old to look over at my grandchildren when I'm 14 years old and realize that child's in hell because his grandfather played the hypocrite I hope to God you're listening to me right now. I don't know how I could handle seeing their tormented faces and their blood-curdling screams because they were cast into a lake of fire. My hypocrisy helped them there. My attitude attracted them to that condition. My influence was the inspiration that led them there. But oh, oh, 
the inevitability of eternity. Let me tell you what else I don't know about eternity. I don't know of one solitary escape from its clutches. There is not one escape. There's not one thing that you can do once you get there that will break you free from the bonds of eternity. There's not one thing you'll be able to do 10,000 years after you've been there that'll help you escape eternity. There's not one thing you could do today if I had the word. I could take the pressure off of me, sister, if I had the word. If I just had the abracadabra and I could shut down the ideas of eternity, I wouldn't wear myself out. I wouldn't push myself like I push myself. But it's coming. It's getting closer. It's inevitable. I've got to push my head down. Feeling guilty as a sinner, Brother Borders, when I'm around people like you and hear about children on mission fields. I lay my head down at night and feel completely pathetic that I didn't have time to work on a message a little bit more. In 33 years of pastor in the same church, almost 34 years, I can count on one hand the sermons I've preached over. I get up every, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. My kids are begging me to do it. But I, I get up every Sunday morning and I drive 50 miles down the road and preach to two or three little people, four or five sometimes that are there. They're some of the sweetest people on the face of the earth. And they've got a soul that's going into eternity just like all them people people at my home church in Sealsby. I go there and preach my guts out to them. I turn around and drive 50 miles back and by the time I get to church I'm about 15-20 minutes late. I've never preached the same sermon at both congregations because I'm driven. I'm driven and the thing that drives me is that every one of them are going to eternity the only thing that stands between them and the fires. See the full impact of what I'm saying. You have to remember that five times God told us the worm dieth not. Seven times the Bible tells us that hell's a bottomless pit, but not one time in the entirety of Scripture does the Bible give us one hint of any escape from eternity. I've come today to tell every one of you in this building, you may not want to be disturbed. You may want to be uh, uh, let alone in that pew today. But I've come to tell you eternity is inevitable. You are going to eternity. It doesn't matter what a smooth talker you are. You can't smooth talk your way one direction or the other. It doesn't matter how persuasive you can be. You can't persuade him at the judgment throne which way you're supposed to go. It doesn't matter how opinionated you are sitting in a pew. When you take your last breath, your opinion matters none at all. But your obedience to the word of God means everything. Do you really understand how serious eternity is? Do we really know how serious it is? You can't escape it. You can't outrun it. You can't bypass it. You can't go over it. We can't go under it. We can't avoid it. We can't boycott it. We can't ignore it. 
I'm talking about the inevitability of eternity. And you are going to eternity. I'm going to eternity. Our children are going to eternity. Our spouses are going to eternity. Our friends are going to eternity. Ladies and gentlemen, eternity is coming. Eternity's getting closer. Eternity is inevitable. It's been said, thanks. Charles Dickens Christmas Carol that you can't take it with you when you go to some worldly possessions I suspect that would be true but it might be good to know that there are some things you can take into eternity and some things you can't take into eternity maybe I should remind you that 1 Timothy 5 says some men's sins are open beforehand through repentance they can send their sins onto the judgment seat and have them forgiven but the Bible said in some men their sins are going to follow after them that means you can repent over it today you can get a hold of God today and let him erase your record of sin or you can hold on to it in your self justified mentality and when you stand before God you're going to have to answer for every deed in your body you're going to have to answer for every dirt that you've done you're going to have to answer for it all I tell you what you will have in eternity you'll have every craving sinful craving you refuse to conquer here you won't shake the habit here you're going to end up with the shakes and withdrawals for all of eternity I suspect you'll have the inescapable remnants of sin. Let me tell you how serious it is. For eternity, if you think that it's something to do with your hair that costs you heaven, you'll rip at your hair and tear at your hair and beg God to change his mind, but it won't work. If you think that it's, it's, it's the, the, the style of clothes that you wore for eternity, you'll try to peel those questionable clothes off your body, begging God to forgive you, but it's going to be useless. For eternity, you'll beat your head on brimstone walls trying to get those pornographic images out of your spirit praying God will see your sincerity but it will not work because eternity is now the factor it's not time when repentance can take place it's eternity I would remind everybody in this building the most simple premise of the nature of God to me is that in time, everybody screams and hollers, a loving God won't send me to hell. You might be surprised to know that I agree with you. A loving God won't send you to hell. He's a loving Savior today. He's reaching for you today. You're in the realm of time. And God wants to help you. But one second after your last heartbeat, He is no longer a loving Savior. He becomes a righteous judge and he's got to judge you by the same criteria he's got to judge billions of people by listen to me a loving God will not send you to hell but a righteous judge will tell you you sent yourself to hell come on now it's inevitable come on now you're going to sit there and wish it didn't happen you're going to sit there and say, I don't know if I believe that. You better hear me. It's inevitable. 
you will stand in eternity. It may be today, it may be tomorrow, it may be next year. It could happen when you step out of this sanctuary and pull your car out onto the road. Oh, the inevitability of eternity. You are going to eternity. You can't escape eternity. You can't outrun eternity. But just in case that your journey into eternity is today, there are some questions you better ask yourself. Questions like, if I see God today, what is there in my life I'm going to wish was different? Once upon a time, there was a lady in our church. Lady that had come out of the world, came into the church, fell in love with it, even a leadership position in my church. They got on an airplane to fly overseas, and, and, and she'd gotten married, and they were on their way to uh, their honeymoon, and they got on a, a jet going overseas, going to go uh, celebrate their honeymoon in a foreign country. And when they did, her family that was not living for God as a wedding present gave this girl some items that godly people would never put on their body that would they'd never wear certain things they'd never adorn themselves with certain things but in her mind she said i'm going to be 35,000 feet above the ocean nobody's going to see me there nobody knows me there nobody's in that foreign country that's going to recognize me so when she and her husband sat down on that plane even he was surprised uh, that she had put that thing on her body the next morning uh, but once they reached the altitude uh, above the ocean they hit unexpected turbulence uh, the turbulence was so bad that that airplane dropped thousands of feet the overhead bins blew open the luggage began to pour out as the plane dipped hard to one side the stewardess was beside them trying to give them something to drink. She ends up in their lap uh, screaming, put your seatbelts on. And when they did in that moment, uh, it shook her up so bad. She said, if I'm going to die in the next few minutes, uh, what is there I wish that I could change? Uh, and she jumped up and began to rip those things off her body, shove that stewardess out of the way you want to know why she came home and said bishop I didn't want to stand before God like that I didn't want to stand before God like that I've got some breaking news for some of you in the building your plane is plummeting every breath you take you're one breath closer to eternity every time your heart beats your one heartbeat closer to eternity. Come on now. Do you seriously want to see Jesus with your body dressed immorally? How about seeing God with alcohol on your breath from drinking with your friends slipping around? How are you going to answer God for them unholy texts on your phone when you stand before Jesus? Are you sure you want to see Jesus with those hidden sins you think nobody knows about? He knows them. Might as well get ready. Some of the things are going to follow you into judgment. 
you're going to have to try to find an answer for those things when you stand before God. Oh, the inevitable. possess in eternity. Let me shock some of you in the building today. You may be surprised to know you'll have the ability to talk in tongues when you get to eternity. After all, if you've learned how to talk in tongues here without any real spiritual connection, you'll try to fool God there. And every hypocrite that hits the white hot flames of hell is going to try to talk in tongues and think it's going to get them out of that place. All over hell you'll have backslidden preachers that are trying to preach in eternity. And it'll be done with a hope that they can feel one more tingle like they used to feel and they took for granted as they played with sin on the earth. I got news for everybody in here. I, I, I so appreciate the deliberate. I spend my day praying, fasting, seeking God many times, but I appreciate the deliberateness of this pastor that says, I need you in the prayer room. That pastor that says, I need us to pray for any special needs here. That pastor who's deliberate enough to say, we need to pray for our homes today. Thank God for that. But I'm going to tell you something else. When you take your last breath, you're going to get the prayer life this man's begged you to have for 25 years it's not going to be with somebody please come pray <clears throat> brother borders all your preaching it's going to get the job done because the instant eternity begins you're going to have a passionate prayer life 10 seconds after your last breath you'll have a prayer life like you can't imagine you're going to pray and above the crackling flames those eternally damned souls around you are going to hear the passion in your voice and they're going to recognize it because they're going to be praying with passion too yeah you're going to have a prayer life in eternity let me tell you what else you're going to have in eternity you're going to have a genuine repentance in eternity the problem is you'll repent for your sins for 10,000 years and realize you're never going to escape so you're going to start repenting all over you're going to feel staggering guilt when you go into eternity because when you see somebody tumble by you in hell and you realize you knew about their sin when you were sitting in time you knew about their sin. You knew where they were slipping around. You knew about their iniquity. But you refused to go talk to your spiritual leadership about it because you were trying to be their friend. If you're their friend, drag them out of hell. If you're their friend, pull them out of the flames. Uh, the Bible said of some you've got to have compassion, but others you've got to pull them out of the fires of hell. You're going to feel the guilt of knowing if I had told somebody, maybe they could have been saved. You'll also have the constant painful reminders that your own soul's lost. The Bible describes those reminders as fire that's not quenched, screams that never cease, gnashing teeth that are going to try to tear the flesh from your body because of the infernal pain that you're going to feel from the flames of hell. You're going to have the constant tumbling and everlasting darkness, the perpetual horrors of catching glimpses of others that burn but never. Are you ready? Do you think you can? I know you're tough, Bubba, but do you really think you can handle that? How 
how tough are you going to be then? Can you hear the screeching tires? Can you hear that gunshot? Can you hear the wail of that ambulance siren? Can you hear that mama scream? Get ready. It's coming. You can't escape it. Oh! The inevitability of eternity. It's what drives me. It's what wakes me up several times during the night, dear. And I'll wake up. I don't care if it's indigestion or I'm just stiff from laying in one position. Every time I open my eyes, every time I come out of that sleep, I open my eyes and say, okay, God, do you want me to pray for somebody? Who do you want me to pray for? What do you want me to do? Do I need to get up and study, God? You just tell me. Brother White, that's insane. No, I'm driven. I'm driven. Nothing matters more to me than helping people escape an eternity in hell. There's nothing that bothers me more than closing my eyes at night, wishing that there were more hours in the day for me to help somebody, strengthen somebody, pick somebody up. I preached a camp not terribly far from here. Preached a camp year before last and we had a great camp God moved very seldom do I feel satisfied with my preaching brother Borders and I, I, I hate to hear me preach but at the end of this meeting the last night the Lord let me preach a message the people picked up on it And at the end of that sermon, people were dancing and shouting and running the aisles and victory breaking out. 25, 30 people had received the Holy Ghost. And I picked up for one of the few times in my life. I picked up my iPad and my Bible and I made my way over to the seats on the left-hand side of the platform. And when I got up, almost to the seat all of a sudden a vision fell on me and in this vision it was like I was up in the air and I could see a black car roaring towards an intersection out in the middle of a a, a vast land it was out in the middle not a lot of traffic here and there and I looked and in this vision I could see a big 18 wheeler tanker truck uh, loaded with some kind of of, of fuel or, or some kind of material And in this vision, I could see it coming. I could see the truck had a stop sign. I could see that that truck wasn't checking up at all. And all of a sudden in this vision, I saw that 18-wheeler broadside this black car and roll it up again and again until everything burst into flames. And God spoke to me and said, go back to the pulpit and you stop everything and you tell them what I've shown you. I tried to argue with God because I said, God, this is the way you want to end a camp. You want people to... God said, you go back and tell them. So I turned around, walked back to the pulpit. I shut everything down. I said, the Lord has spoken to me. And I told them. 
and I begged them to pray. I pled with them, somebody. You're going to lose your life. You're going to leave this life. At least one of you, maybe more. You're going to lose your life because you've sat back and minimized everything God's done in this service tonight. And in this entire, I had no idea. I had no idea that sitting somewhere towards the back there was two young men that sat there. I found out later after I'd left, after everything happened, that those young men had sat back there in front of their families and had mocked me the whole time that I'd preached. They had made fun of everything that was said or done. They would mocked the people that was worshiping around them. And that night they got up and they walked out. Most of the time, when God speaks to you and tells you something, you don't really see the end result of it because you're not there all the time. It was about a week and a half, two weeks later that I got a phone call from the secretary of the district. I said, Brother White, do you remember this? Yes. Do you remember stopping the service? Yes. Do you remember? Yes. And as we begin to talk, he said, what you don't know is we've just found out there was two young men that sat in the back that was mocking everything you were doing, laughing at you. In fact, their family was pushing them, telling them, shut up, quit doing that. You need to quit that. People are looking at you. He said, I just thought you'd want to know that they were driving out through the middle of nowhere and they were in a black car. The one young man owned a black car. And as they were driving through an intersection, a big tanker truck full of gasoline ran the stop sign. And when he did, he ran over that car, set it all on fire, and a, both of them burned to a crisp. I didn't feel vindicated. I didn't want that on my resume, brother. Orders. But I know me. The first thing that I did is maybe I should have preached a different message. Maybe I should have reached a little bit more. Maybe I should have given a little bit more of myself. Oh. Of eternity. Lift your hands up and pray with me right now. I need somebody in this place to pray with me now. Pray. You can't wish eternity away. You can't pray eternity away. You can't hope eternity away. You can't deny eternity away. You can't debate eternity away. You can't reason eternity away. You can't desire eternity away. You can't request eternity away. You can't challenge eternity away. You cannot decree eternity away. You cannot cast eternity out. Get ready. It's coming. And it's closer right now than it's ever been. Do you realize sitting in this building right now that you're about 35 minutes closer to eternity than you were when I started? Just in case you're wondering, let me tell you what you won't have in eternity. You won't have a righteous preacher that stands in your pulpit every week and tries to get you to have a relationship with God. No, in eternity, 
Brother Borders ain't going to be able to preach you to an altar in eternity. Brother Borders is not going to be able to open up a Bible and give you a Bible study to help you escape when you get to eternity. You're not going to have a righteous preacher. But that's all right. Some of you said it was intruding now. You said that's old-fashioned. You said it was none of his business. That's okay. You won't have him in eternity. Something else you won't have in eternity is one single solitary hope of salvation to pull you out of that place. Any hope of salvation for any soul, living or dead, is done when you take your last breath. But you said, I don't think it takes all that anyway. Can I tell you you're going to change your mind five seconds after your last breath? All this, I don't think it takes. You're going to realize it takes all of that. You're going to realize you were wrong. But the problem now is that you're dead wrong. And when you're dead, you can't change anything. For those of you that keep checking social media while I'm preaching, you won't have a cell phone there to preoccupy your mind and help you ignore the men of God that stand in your pulpit. In eternity, you won't be able to lust after that unsaved romantic interest you lusted after on the earth. And if you do see them, their hair is going to be burned off and their skin's going to be melting. Their agonizing screams are going to kill any desire you ever had to touch their body. And that's not all. Let me tell you what else you won't have in eternity. There will not be one drop of God's mercy left. Today, the mercy of God pours over this pulpit drenching every one of you in this place with hot anointing that's saying I'm willing to help you I'm willing to pick you up I'm willing but in eternity there will not be one drop of mercy mercy ended the second you took your last breath mercy ended when your last heartbeat happened mercy ended when God said enough's enough I can't help but wonder when's God going to look at you and say enough's enough Will it be after the next altar call you walk away from? Will it happen next time you find some way to justify your sin? Is it going to happen when you leave this building today ignoring the heartfelt pleas of a preacher? Will it happen in the next few minutes when you finally break the heart of God? At some point, God's going to say it and the heavens are going to hear it. Enough's enough. And when He does, your eternity is going to begin and your mercy is going to stop. It is inevitable. Eternity. Is in heaven. There'll be no anointing there that once lured you to relationship with God. You won't have anointed preaching to pull you back to an altar. You won't have anointed worship like this church has to pull you back into the flow and evoke a spiritual response. You won't have anointed fellowship to remind you how much you need the church. You won't have anointed services that facilitate the tug of God. There'll be no anointing left. Okay, brother, what's left? The anointing may be gone, but you'll have every memory of every altar call you pass by and you're going to bludgeon your own conscience for years saying I should have went to the altar that day. The anointing may be gone 
but you're going to be and you're going to be ripped away from your man of God but you're going to remember every altar call he gave you you're going to remember every time he reached you're going to remember every time he set you down and told you you needed to get a little stronger in us you laughed it off then and you went through the emotions then but I promise you there's coming a day after your last breath you'll never laugh it off again you'll never hide behind empty emotions again you'll never press through the warnings again Mercy's going to be gone. But you're going to still feel that atmosphere when you sit there with sin in your world. God was reaching. God was pleading. God was begging. You're going to realize that was my moment. That was the time that God was willing. Why didn't I do it? I'm going to walk away from this pulpit today. When I get done being polite, sitting with your precious pastor and his wife, I'm going to come back to that apartment upstairs. I'm going to sit there and beat myself up again, Sister Borders. Maybe I should have preached a little harder. Maybe I should have said something different. I'm going to do it. And you're going to go on through the day and hope what I'm preaching isn't true, but it is. Eternity's inevitable. You're, you're going to hope this eternal fire stuff's an old wives' tale, but it isn't. Eternity is inevitable. You're going to hope Scripture contradicts itself about heaven and hell, leaving you a loophole, but it doesn't. Eternity! I stood in a church, Indiana. I was there just like I am here preaching revival. And I stood in that church and we'd had a couple good services and it was, we had that night and one more night. Let me tell you how. We had that night and one more night. All of a sudden, I saw this individual walk through the back door, stood in the foyer, and he's walking around clenching his fists. And he was crying, and I could see he was upset about something. Church hadn't started yet. They were just starting to come out of the prayer room. And all of a sudden, I watched the pastor go in there, and all of a sudden, something was said, and the pastor backed up away from him. I didn't know what it was, but it, it, it looked like it was not a good thing to me. I watched them in that foyer. I saw them, and finally I saw the pastor break down and begin to sob. 
it didn't make any sense to me. And he turned back in and he said, Brother White, I hate to do this to you, but could you help me tonight? I said, well, sure, buddy. I'll do what, what you need me to do. He said, Brother White, you got, you got to help me. I, I, I got a problem. I said, what is it? He told me of a man that had gotten mad at him years before. An individual who thought his money should buy him leniency when it came to sinfulness. And he got mad because the pastor would get up and preach. And he felt like, you need to preach joy. You need to let me do this. You need to give me a position. And he said, Brother White, he wouldn't walk away from sin. So I just kept on holding him back, saying, as soon as you quit sinning, I'll use you. And the dude got offended. He walked away from God. Ironically, his children were the majority of the musicians in the church. And when he walked away from God, every day that those kids lived, they heard Daddy saying, I'd be living for God today if it wasn't for so-and-so. did me wrong. I'll never live for God another day in my life because that preacher did me wrong. All he did was stand up for what Scripture said. That night, the guy that walked into the foyer, Brother Borders, said that the individual that I'm talking about all of his kids ended up backsliding. Every one of them became bitter. They despised that pastor. And he said, Brother White, I hate to do it. But would you go to the hospital and pray for him? They said that he's eat up with cancer and he's in the last stages of his life. And he's laying there on his hospital bed begging, go get pastor. Go get pastor. Tell him to come pray. And those kids would scream at him and say, No, we're not going to get him. It's his fault you're in this shape. Strange, ain't it, how everything seems to be the pastor's fault. I walked into the hospital and started to ask him what room this guy was in. And about that time, I heard that guy screaming the most blood-curdling scream. I walked down. I looked at the name on the door. I walked in, and that man's laying in the bed saying, No, no, I lied, I lied, I lied. And his kids are mad. They're flinching their fists. They're, they're, they, they're, they're standing there saying, No, Daddy, it's not your fault. It's Pastor's fault. And those children even in his death he's saying get a preacher to pray for me and one of the family friends left and told that pastor you can't go but you need to send somebody if you go they're going to try to hurt you send somebody else and when I walked in I stood there and they said who are you I said I'm a man of God I've come to help you pray and when I did they began to cuss and rail on that pastor. Did he send you? I listened to that man beg them. Please kids, please. I lied. It didn't happen like I said. I lied. And all of a sudden, those blood curdling screams started up again. And I watched that middle-aged man pull his feet up in the bed, screaming, Oh God! I'm on 
fire! Oh God, I'm burning, pray. Somebody go get the pastor to pray. I stepped up, laid my hands on his head and began to pray for him. And that man screamed the most haunting screams that I've ever heard in all of my life. I've been at car wrecks. I've been at all kinds of situations. I've told a lot of people they've lost loved ones. But I've never heard anything that compared to what this man was doing. And he went out of this life with my hand on his head, screaming, I'm on fire. I'm burning. I'm going to burn forever. I'm on fire. Ladies and gentlemen, you're going to wish it was a bad dream, but it's not. You're going to wish you weren't there, but you will be. You're going to try to make deals with God, but God don't make deals with people in time. And he's sure not going to make deals with them in eternity. I don't have one word. I don't have one word to stop it. Stand to your feet when the music comes. If 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 I could find the word, son, to stop you from having to go to eternity and cause you to quit worrying about all that, I just say it. If if it was in my ability, sir put my hand on your head and bless you and make eternity completely go away. I'd crawl over every pew in this place to get to you to help you because I love people. But there's not one thing I can do about it. It haunts me, sis. I go to bed every night wishing that I'd been more effective, that I'd had more of an influence. Eternity's real. Eternity's right around the corner. For some of you, it's sooner than later. So I think if I was you in this building right now, if there's anything you need to fix. Come on! The plane is plummeting! there's anything you need to fix I think it'd be a good idea to fix it today I'm driven I confess I go overboard for the borders hard on myself but I'm driven anybody in this building that wants to be used of God let me tell you how to prepare yourself become driven by the thought of eternity this altar's open. I need somebody to step out of your pew. Make your way to an altar. Maybe there's something you need to fix before you see him. Maybe there's something you need to take care of before you put your eyes on God. To every visitor, please pray. To every saint, I'm pleading with you. Please pray. Oh, eternity come on make your way to an altar if you can't get to an altar kneel down in your seat if you can't kneel sit down put your head forward and beg God to touch you tonight 
God loves you as much as he loves me. But he requires obedience from all of us. Pray. I'd said something else, but there's nothing else to say. I'll beat myself up saying, if I could have only done something else, but there's nothing else to do. Eternity is standing in our face today. I need this great church to help me pray. Once you put some things in order in your life. I wish you'd find somebody else that needs a touch of God and you'd get to where they are and help them pray. Help them touch God. Would you do that? about the inevitability of eternity you want something to move you into the work of God think about every soul that's going to hell you have been listening to an audio sermon from Apostolic Worship Center located in Norman, Oklahoma we are located at 3221 North Porter Avenue Norman, Oklahoma 73071 Our service times are Sunday at 10 o'clock a.m. and 6 o'clock p.m. And we also have various ministries happening on Wednesday night. For more information, visit our website, www.awcnorman.com. Call us at 405-329-1285 or email us at info at awcnorman.com. We hope that this recording has been a blessing to you.